Hi, my name is Hewitt, and I have the privilege of reading the scripture this morning. I will be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. This is the word of God. Amen. Thank you, Hewitt. Good morning, Solano. My name is Miguel, and I will be sharing with you from this passage that we just read. So pray with me as, uh, as we dive deep into it. Father, thank you for this, this morning. God, thank you for uh, just the, the ability to worship you. And thank you that we get to look into this passage, Lord. Uh, and we pray that you would speak to us, God, that it would be illuminating, God, uh, convicting, encouraging, and uh, that it would move us closer to uh, your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to start off by saying that I, I did not do singleness well. <laughs> Just a caveat, I am not an expert on singleness. Um, for those of you who are, <laughs> I'd love to talk with you and learn from you. Um, but I was a hopeless romantic growing up, and in many ways I was insecurely hoping to find love in many different places. And I ended up confusing friendship for and affinity for romance. Uh, and because of that, I ended up hurting myself and others with every new relationship that I would open up. Uh, being, uh, being unmarried for me was difficult, and I can clearly say that I did not have the gift of singleness. Uh, yet, in God's mercy, I was able to do a lot of things in my time before marriage. This included travel, but it, it included devotion to church and being in different uh, musical groups. Um, but my most fond memories of being single were my mornings. I hear some laughter. <laughs> uh, I remember uh, the warm sun as, it, as I would sit in the living room and read scripture while eating some eggs and toast. And I just remember that those intimate moments that I had with God and my singleness, those moments actually have carried me through some of the hardest trials in my life. And so I'm grateful for, for those, those, uh, those foundational moments that I had. And today we're going to talk about the gift of remaining unmarried. And, uh, you know, I'll be talking to different people. We'll be, I'll be talking, address, addressing those who are married, those who are unmarried. And, um, but I want to frame the whole conversation in sort of these three uh, large topics. The first one is this phrase, eunuchs for the kingdom. All right, just say that with me. Eunuchs for the kingdom. We'll get into that. Um, I want, yeah, yeah. I wanted to title that uh, uh, Eunuchs for the Kingdom today, but I was, I was told not to. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't told, I was, I was encouraged. Um, so number one, Eunuchs for the Kingdom, reframing the idea of being unmarried. Uh, number two, that God gives good gifts. 
And then that number three, that those gifts include being unmarried, and they also include marriage. So before I get in, in, into the text, I want us to uh, take our historical imaginary caps and go back to first century Corinth. So um, in Corinth, this is a picture of not ancient Corinth, but modern Corinth. And that temple uh, structure that remains is actually, uh, it was a temple of Apollos. Um, But like that temple, there was a temple of Aphrodite that uh, was, was in Uh, Corinth. And she, if you don't know about Aphrodite, she was the goddess of love and sexual passion, uh, the goddess of beauty and fertility. And so um, they had this temple, and it was really busy to the point where there was this historian, a geographer named Strabo of Amasia, um, who was born and lived in 63 BC through AD 24. He says this of the temple in, Afri- uh, in Corinth, and you can put that up in the next one. He says, the temple of Aphrodite became so wealthy that it attained over a thousand temple slaves or cult prostitutes. In the Greek, it's heterai. Uh, both men and women, uh, they dedicated to the goddess. And therefore, it was also on account of these cult prostitutes that the city was crowded with people and grew rich. So these heterai, Hetarai uh, usually lived fashionably alone, or sometimes uh, two or three of them together, and they were often enviable in society because of their wealth, and they were even protected by the state because it was generating so much income. And in many ways, this expression of an unmarried life is an antithesis to what God was desiring And in their case, the singleness of the heterai was dedicated to promiscuity and sexual immorality. But in contrast, Paul is calling the church in Corinth to display a countercultural kingdom of heaven when it comes to being single. So now let's get into the the text, the first part, 1 Corinthians 7, 6. It says, now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. So Paul um, is starting off by saying that this is not a mandate. Uh, This is not a command. It's very explicit. Um, He's just sharing his thoughts and inviting others into what he believes. Um, And if you think of Paul, he he was no stranger to sharing God's commands and often really difficult commands. But he's allowing space here in this conversation for nuance, and he's not being heavy-handed with what he's about to say. And I think that's a great way to start this whole conversation. So he says in the very next thing, uh, I wish that all people were as I am. And how can Paul say this? Um, All people I wish were as I myself am. Um, It's a big statement, right? If I said, I wish everybody was like me, Miguel. It would seem very full of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. But what did he mean? What did Paul mean? And you can see up there that it's actually a statement of full submission. We know that the Apostle Paul was a person who had given up every human right in order to serve the gospel. So he gave up his vocation, and you can read about that in 1 Corinthians 9. He he would not accept money for sharing the gospel. He became uh, a tent maker at times to to help pay for his travel 
He gave up his bodily comfort. Um, you know, he was often beat up and mistreated and flogged, I think, twice to the point of death. Uh, stoned, I think he was at some point. Not like Berkeley kind of stoned, but um, th- thrown stones at. Or, uh, but in this context, he means not being married for full life devotion to the gospel. Paul became a lifelong servant of the kingdom of God through his decision to remain unmarried. And thankfully, Paul did not come up with this idea. It's not his own original idea. It was actually, it comes from Jesus. Um, Paul was building off of Jesus' teachings recorded in Matthew 19. And I want to share this passage with you. And the, the, the context is, Uh, Jesus is talking with his disciples and other people who are trying to basically trick him about uh, a question about divorce. Um, But Jesus' disciples, in the midst of that conversation, they realize how difficult the binding covenant of marriage is. And they exclaim in disbelief, they say, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. And in the MIG standard, Miguel standard translation, it's, if it's that hard, it's better not to even start. Uh, so Jesus goes on to affirm their statement, but in a very mystical and poetic way. Uh, and I'm not sure if I have it. No, um, I don't. Uh, but he says this. Not everyone... Oh, yeah, it is. There's a lot happening today. Uh, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth... And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. Um, And you notice the language of giving and receiving. It's very, very evident that there's some kind of gift and some kind of reception. Now, if you don't know what a eunuch is, Another history lesson for us. Uh, A eunuch was usually a male servant of a country's royal court that would be castrated so that they could not have sex with the royal queen or princess, specifically so that they would not produce offspring and ensue a dash for the throne. So if you're working in the royal court and you're a man, and you impregnated the queen, you had a chance, your lineage had a chance of taking over the kingdom. So they invented this idea of becoming eunuchs. And here's pictures of uh, three depictions of eunuchs from different uh, geographies and places around the world. So Jesus takes this idea of remaining unmarried and gives us this parable to reframe our values under the kingdom of heaven. And in this life, some people become spiritual eunuchs in order to serve a greater purpose, to serve their, to serve our King Jesus. The idea of remaining unmarried in order to dedicate your whole life to the purpose of God was a radical shift in the value system of its time. And it's actually still radical today. Being a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven brings about purposeful devotion servanthood, and nobility in the eyes of the author of life. It brings him a smile for those who can accept it. And that's a big caveat at the end. But uh, thankfully, there's a great transaction that happens. Um, 
Because in order to give, to make yourself a eunuch for the kingdom, uh, you know, in that day, offspring or, you know, children, they were like life insurance. You know, when you got old, they would take care of you. Uh, but God promises his eunuchs a startling trade. And in Isaiah 56, verses 4 through 5, we read this trade. He says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters, and I will give them ever, an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. That's a beautiful passage, right? Um, to think that one would give up so much and receive so much in, in the heavenly places. So God knows that uh, things are practical in the family, that there are biological things that are given up with living the life of a eunuch for the kingdom. But in their place, he promises, he promises to those people a, an imperishable spiritual legacy and a spiritual family and a lineage that has no end. It's kind of an amazing thing. So going back to Paul and 1 Corinthians, we want to be reminded that this, this is not for everyone, but that it is a God-given gift. Jesus affirms that the gift is for those who are born with unique anatomical or biological conditions, or for those who through, through whom life's circumstances, it makes better sense to remain unmarried, or for those who simply want to dedicate their life to Jesus. And in all three cases, it is a gift that we will see in this passage. So 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says this, But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Uh, any Lord of the Rings fans out there? Yeah? Okay. Awesome. I remember reading the books uh, and skipping through a lot of walking through the forest, but, um, but then watching them was amazing. Um, but there's this one scene, uh, speaking of gifts and giving, where in, in, after the Fellowship of the Ring has taken refuge in the, the elven sanctuary of Lothlorien, uh, Galadriel, she gives uh, each of the Fellowship unique gifts for the rest of their treacherous journey. And while some of them receive gifts of warfare, um, another one, Aragorn, receives an elf stone. Not very useful in battle, you know. Uh, and Frodo receives a glass vial containing the light of Erendil's star. Anybody fluent in uh, Elvish or uh, what's the other one? <laughs> um, so they each get different gifts. And I don't want to spoil how those gifts come into play in their journey. But uh, just imagine if they had gotten each other's gifts, um, wh what would happen to them in their fate of the ring, Right. Um, we must remember in this conversation about singleness and marriage that God is good and that he gives good gifts. Without this truth at the core of our conversation, we will miss the things that God is giving. God is a gift giver. Uh, do you believe this, that he gives good gifts? From the onset of creation to the giving of his own son, 
Jesus giving up his own life for us. Scripture attests to God being a generous person, a generous being. There's that old song. It's not that old, I guess, but uh, and every good and perfect gift comes from you, Father of light, Father of light, you delight, you delight. Okay, I guess people don't know it. I think it's a Vineyard song, right, Tom? Yeah. Vineyard's got some good songs. Uh, so the gifts that Paul is speaking of in our Corinthians passage is, uh, they're actually gifts of grace. And these grace gifts are where we get the word charisma. Um, these are similar to the spiritual gifts that Paul will speak about in a few chapters, in chapters uh, 12 through 14. And uh, Solana, we have to be reminded that singleness and marriage um, these are actually gifts of the Holy Spirit also. It's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, a lot to chew on there. Um, so going back to the passage, 1 Corinthians 7, 8, uh, he says, To the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain as I am. And just so you know, I forgot to mention this. When Paul actually never says the word single. He just says unmarried which I think is kind of awesome. Um, he never uses the word single. Maybe that's because he didn't want single to be separate from like the body of Christ, you know. Uh, but Paul is probably in this passage referring, when he says to widows, to those who are older in age, because there's another passage where he says that it's better for the younger widows to marry. Um, but Paul's statement is saying that it's a good thing. It is good for them to remain as I am. And some translations, uh, they use the word advantageous. It's good or advantageous to remain. Um, but why, why, why might we ask, is it advantageous not to marry? <laughs> Any married people want to answer? <laughs> uh, this word advantageous makes sense if we skip down a few verses in the same chapter to verses, verse 34. Paul says this, and listen closely to his desire for our well-being, the well-being of his hearers. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man or person is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. His interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord how to be holy in body and spirit, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So we're going to do a little Where's Waldo experiment. How many times do you see the word anxious in this passage? You can put the next slide up. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Yeah, very good. You should do crossword puzzles with me sometime. Maybe we'll finish faster, you know. Um, so, wow. How good is it to be single? And how is it advantageous? Um, and the reality is, is when, when you commit your life to somebody else other than Jesus, um, your life just becomes a little more complicated. You know, there's more layers. There's more complexity um, I just watched the movie, 
Hail Caesar. Anybody watch that? Coen Brothers. There's a part where this guy's trying to say a quote, and he's like, were that it were so simple. Um, and he's a British uh, director. Anyways, nobody's watched it, so go watch it. Um, Paul is actually looking out for you, uh, single people, when he says, yo, I know the grass is, seems greener on the other side of the fence, but you might actually want to stay and smell your, the roses on this side, you know? Um, the main point is that Paul is trying to, that he's trying to promote is, um, is that you as a single person, as an unmarried person, get to devote your full attention to Jesus, to God, the lover of your soul. Uh, this undivided devotion to Jesus is another countercultural kingdom value. And this is hard because, you know, the world and even in church, uh, sometimes the message is, oh, you should delay getting married so that you can travel more. You can pursue your career. You can date around, you know, try before you buy more nice things, find yourself. But Paul is saying that the best way that you can use your unmarried time is to have a deeply intimate relationship with Jesus. Isn't that an awesome thing? So uh, I'm a very visual person, if you couldn't already tell from the slides. And so I, as I was thinking about uh, this, this uh, sermon, I, I thought maybe I could put up a, a picture of a continuum. Um, and if you don't know what a continuum, it's like that kind of thing. Where on one side, you have unmarried, a.k.a. eunuch for the kingdom. And on the other side, you have a person in the covenant of marriage. So um, I'm going to share a few of the points on the continuum, but it is not exhaustive. We have a wonderful Q&A panel that's uh, lined up where you can ask some of the finer points. Uh, but on one side, on the, on the far left of the continuum, uh, I want to speak to, to those in, in our community who may, may need to embrace the gift of celibacy or becoming a eunuch for the kingdom. Um, and I say that understanding that there, there, there is a lot of pressure that uh, people that are single or unmarried feel. Maybe you feel or have felt that pressure from your family or from your church or traditional values, you know, individuals in our community that kind of make you feel like you're not good enough staying unmarried. I know that I've made the mistake of asking, you know, spicy questions because I thought there might be a great prospect for my single friend, you know. Um, but I want to say that you are not less than. You, you who embrace and who are currently single, you are not less than. And all of us need to be careful not to assume about a person's unmarried status. I think that's something that, that we as a church can grow into. Don't be rude. <laughs> Don't push people toward marriage if they've been given a gift from the Lord. You know, ask, find out. Uh, church, we, we, sometimes we have to repent for the ways that we have pushed traditionalism over the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, I certainly grew up, and, and I know that my wife did also, grew up with that constant pressure of like, oh, Lesia, Miguel, you're 30, you know, and you're still unmarried. What's wrong with you? Like, what, what, you know, these kind of things, they, they, they can be hurtful. But to the degree that God allows us, the leadership at Solano, we want to be a church 
that stands first for biblical and kingdom values. And as wonderful and as good and beautiful as a biological family is, we, we have the gift of embracing God's fuller picture of humanity and to reject the idolatry of family that often becomes confused and even shared as the only way that Christians can live. So thankfully, there's a better way. For those of y'all who are single and, and those of all who are, y'all who are eunuchs for the kingdom, uh, the gospel elevates your station, your status. Um, we, we read the Isaiah 56, I will give them a name that's better. Um, you have an in- eternal inheritance with Christ that is better than what earthly marriage can offer. Gospel singleness should be held in high honor in the church. And I think of Christians like Brian Stevenson, who I, there is a picture of him. Do you all know who Brian Stevenson is? A couple people. You all need to go watch two movies after this. The first movie, it was Hail Caesar. You don't have to. And the second one is Just Mercy. Go watch it. Bring a, buy a box of tissue because you will need it. Uh, it will wreck you. I watched it on the plane one time and I was like, this is crazy. It was like, oh man. But Brian Stevenson is awesome. He's a man who has dedicated his life to uh, helping um, people that have been falsely accused in the judicial system. And he is a person who's actually publicly confessed that he wants to remain single um, because he knows that the, the, the task and the pressures of his job and this calling is uh, very, very difficult. And it's, it's amazing. So God has appointed, maybe God has appointed you to become a wonderful workmanship like Brian to display his love in really dark places. You single people, unmarried eunuchs for the kingdom, maybe, you are a foreshadow of the resurrection reality. Um, in, in Matthew twenty two thirty, 30, Jesus says that in the resurrection, people will not, be, not marry or be given in marriage. Um, you, so you are like a fragrance of heaven, a foreshadow Uh, giving us glimpses into the future with Christ. Uh, You single people, unmarried people, you get to teach us contentment. Many unmarried people in our congregation have so much to offer in this area of contentment. How do you do it? And I think we're going to be able to find out a little bit later. Um, Teach us, show us. Uh, You who are in this category Bring forth the deep intimacy that you have with the Lord and share that wealth and that intimacy with with us. We want to know. The things that that devotion, those sweet moments of like you and God, like bring those into the congregation. You have a gift. You have a voice. Um, So we're going to journey into the middle section of the continuum, which is kinds of unmarriedness, I called it. There's not, there's not really great language for, for that. Um, but maybe there are some of us who are, some of you who are trying to understand your singleness. And um, that singleness can happen for a, a myriad of reasons. Um, you know, if you don't feel like you are on the far left, if you don't feel like you have that, the, you know, the title of eunuch for the kingdom. Uh, we want to walk with you as a church, and we want to allow you to 
maybe grieve the frustration if there is any. And we desire to be a church that creates space, spaces for conversations about those things. And we want to prayerfully partner with you about how to discern this topic in your life. And we hope to grow and learn and, and serve you well. But we are grateful for you and your devotion to Christ and your commitment to him, even when marriage and romantic relationships have not manifested for you. You are valuable just the same. And, and I, have, I sort of have a, a testimony in this because I, I got married when I was 33. Um, and being married before, uh, before getting married and, well, life is hard, guys. Before and after. It's hard no matter how you slice it. Um, but I think I really struggled with singleness, and uh, like I shared earlier. But I had one thing that I did have and want to give uh, testimony to is, is that I had some really amazing people in my life that walked with me, um, particularly in my Emmaus group, like um, people like Albert Lee, uh, who helped me think through um, things in, that I had wrestled with, like family of origin stuff, um, their, their insights and their honesty. Um, helped me recognize patterns and behaviors that I was falling in um, or choices in dating that um, they helped me sort of discern a lot of those things. So the wonderful thing is is in this middle ground, there's people, there's a community that you can walk with uh, that wants to embrace you and 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 help you. Uh, if you if you're struggling with that, um, I know that there's a lot more in there, and we'll ha again, we'll have the Q&A for that, um, but uh, want to move to the right side. Um, yeah. Um, so 1 Corinthians 7, 9 says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, it is better that they should marry. Oh, wait. If they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. Excuse me. For it is better to marry... Oh, that should say burn, not run. I'm sorry. <laughs> run with passion. My slide game is not good today, guys. <laughs> um, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, so maybe you have the, <laughs> I don't know if it's a gift, but uh, not, if you burn, <laughs> Um, you should probably get married, you know. Um, not that, that phrase, not exercising self-control, means literally to seize oneself or to hold oneself back. If, you don't, if you're having a hard time holding yourself back, um, I wrote down here, get activated. Uh, and I say that really lovingly. Some people that are single in our congregation need to get activated. Be courageous. Seek marriage in healthy ways. Don't get stuck in prolonged adolescence. If you don't have the gift of not burning, then you should prayerfully and in community seek to marry. And I, I say that understanding. I, I, it's so hard. Um, it's very difficult, especially in this day and age. There's so many pressures, exterior, internal. You got dating apps, swipe right, swipe left. Um, but trust that God has good gifts for you. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. Know and understand your gifts. Be comfortable in your new nature in Christ because the best thing that you can offer your future spouse is your sanctification and your relationship with the Lord. And try not to obsess about it. I know it's not easy. Talk with married couples to help them remind you of the hard work that marriage requires. 
They can help you think soberly about it. Um, sanctify your expectations. I think that this is a really important thing as, uh, as single people. Um, sanctify your expectations. Um, have your expectations for, for your spouse. Be sanctified. You know, we, we wrestle in a world where pornography is so available to us, you know, even on Instagram, I mean, Facebook. Um, but we don't need to go even to media. Uh, we can fantasize in our, in our minds, not even like about sexual things, but we can fantasize about the idea of persons, right? That was something that I fell prey to a lot. I, I would like the idea of the person, I was infatuated with the idea of the person. But then when I actually dated that person, I'm like, it's like it doesn't line up. So, um, you know, have your expectations completely with your hands open. Um, because you'll have to eventually love a real person. Um, and then count the cost. You know, if, you're, if you are pursuing and you're excited about marriage and you want that, count the cost. Um, we are aware that it comes at a cost uh, of giving up freedoms, um, the, the anxieties that Paul was talking about. Um, the word means free, to be free from trouble, but that it is a beautiful thing, marriage. So, um, yeah, back to the continuum. Th that middle section, there's so much variation there. Um, there might be seasons of both, actually, um, where maybe, you know, you were in the covenant of marriage and maybe you experienced um, divorce or a death, you know, and you found yourself in the middle ground again. Or maybe you're, you know, I, I think that there's a story of Martin Luther that who, who didn't think he, he thought he, he was a eunuch for the kingdom. Turns out he wasn't, right? Martin, is that? Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> I just wanted somebody to, yeah. Um, so Martin Luther, he found, you know, find himself in, in marriage uh, later on in his life. And you just never know how God is going to, you know, nudge uh, you in, in certain ways. Just surrender these things into God's hands. Um, it's okay to grieve all of these things, um, but we have to dare to trust God's good timing. And, and on good's timing, like, I just want to, I wish I, I mean, I could share with you any, you know, any time, but yeah, marriage was hard for me uh, for different reasons. Also, a lot of it is because of my own baggage, honestly. Like, there are times when I wanted to sabotage relationships because I was just afraid of commitment, you know. Um, uh, but, but I think God had to heal a lot of those parts for me. And, uh, yeah, and even though marriage is so difficult, like, the, the, my relationship with Alessia is a wonderful gift, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's teaching me so much about God's love, like, toward me. And, um, and it's an amazing thing. So, uh, yeah, marriage is worth it for those who, can, who have that gift also. But there's, the, we, the, yeah, we could go on and on and on. Um, so start getting your questions ready for the, the singles panel. So how can Solano Church, how can we be and grow into a robust, loving place for um, both married people and non-married people to thrive. I think one of those ways is um, creating a health, healthy dating community. I know that's kind of awkward, but I think it can, I think it can be done, yeah. Um, because the, the church is God's testimony for a, a new humanity, a new way. And, 
And in that new way, there are other awesome blessings that come through, through, through the church. The church is actually the place where people that are married and unmarried or people with families um, can have this symbiotic relationship. Do you, for all my, my science nerds, symbiotic, symbiotic, it's like when two different species coexist together and they actually help each other um, in their ecospheres, <laughs> in their nucleus, I don't know. No. <laughs> um, but for those of us who are married, you know, how can we invite unmarried folks into our life and into the lives of our families? Or if you have uh, a family and you're not married, how can, how can we reach out to you? How can you reach out to us? So uh, I want to invite Violet to share with us. Let's give Violet some love. And so a question for Violet is, where are you on the continuum? Where am I on the continuum? Yeah. So um, I think I've shared this a bit before in front of the church, but I would love to be in the covenant of marriage. And I do feel like that's a strong desire of mine for many reasons. Um, but I currently fall in the middle in the kinds of unmarriedness. I'm still unmarried, even though I've been actively seeking marriage since graduating college, even though I was in a relationship at 25 that I thought would lead to marriage, but didn't. Um, and, you know, modern dating is filled with lots of challenges. So I, I'm still in the middle, yeah. um, which uh, I have a different relationship with at different times. Um, I've been processing a lot recently about um, kind of that, that part of, I think it's 1 Corinthians 7, 23 that, that you brought up about being unmarried and, and being devoted to the Lord in body and spirit mm. um, and like how to spend my time well in devotion to the Lord and other people, like whether my unmarriedness in is temporary or permanent. So, um, yeah, I kind of hope that Paul's not saying that it's easy because it hasn't been easy for me <laughs> to, to do those things well, but I feel like I've been praying a lot about it lately and I feel like it is leading me into like a greater reliance on the Lord. Mm. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing, Violet. And then to kind of close, close it out for us, um, how has the church been a part of your journey in the, on the continuum? Um, I'm so glad you asked me that question. <laughs> um, so most of my close friends and Christian community, whether in this body or living in other places, are married, um, with the exception of a few people. And um, I think some seasons of that have been hard, especially like when a lot of my friends were actively getting married and I was watching that happen and it wasn't happening for me. But largely, I think be, even though my own personal like longings have gone unfulfilled so far, I hardly ever feel lonely because of the community that is surrounding me. I'm rarely ever lonely. I have people that I have super deep relationships with whether they are married or single. And that's been like a huge blessing for me. And I hope I've been a blessing to them as well. And in, in my life, I mean, it looks like being deeply involved mm. in each other's lives. Like I'm not talking like a dinner every couple of months 
or even just like weekly home group. I'm talking like COVID bubble relationships, mm -hmm. like going on family trips together mm -hmm. and running errands together and doing some holidays together. Um, and even just like being bored <laughs> together. It, it like all the different things in life, like mm -hmm. I feel like we do together. Um, and that leads to, like you were saying, like a kind of realistic view of marriage for me and a view of what it looks like to be single mm -hmm. for them. And it looks like praying for each other um, in the hard things pertaining to relationships and not pertaining to relationships. And, you know, if they have kids, it means that, like, I'm also a part of their families. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm an auntie to little toddlers, and I'm like kind of like a sibling to older kids mm -hmm. of my friends, and it's just yeah, it's mm. it's wonderful, yeah, yeah. and it and it it is a blessing, mm. and it makes some of the areas where being unmarried like is lacking or feels like is lacking, mm. it kind of fills in some of those things, not all of them, but yeah, but a lot of them. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Violet. Yeah. Thank you. Well. Um, yeah. Let me let me pray for us, and then Violet's going to lead us in in the communion. Um, Father, thank you for uh, your word, God, and thank you for being a, a generous generous God. Um, thank you for being so uh, pluriform and and varied in the ways that you gift people. Um, just that beautiful picture of, you know, Galadriel giving gifts to the fellowship, God. We, we want to be a church that um, receives the gifts that you give us and that operate in them, Lord. And help us, Lord, to be a, uh, a robust community that can really have that symbiotic relationship between those people that are wherever we are on the continuum, God. And may we just experience the the... The presence of your kingdom, Lord, before you arrive and um, just prepare us in that way. Um, Lord, we look forward to the conversations that this will spark. We pray for the singles panel that um, they had dinner last night and they were enjoying their company and they're ready to share their thoughts, God. Um, we just pray that you would, uh, that your grace and your spirit would be upon them. God, we pray for marriages to happen too. And uh, and, and for healthy dating, and as, as hard and difficult as that might seem, Lord, we, we uh, know that you can do that. Um, um, and help us to grieve, Lord. Help us to listen to um, people that are in the middle uh, that uh, help, yeah, help us to be family to them. Um, we ask all these things and more in, in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I get to transition us into...